everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NYY Takes, a Pinstripe Perspective podcast. Our second off-season episode, because today we got some pretty darn good news, at least for most Yankees fans. There's one that I can think of that, for some reason, might be a little bit upset about this one, uh, for reasons unbeknownst to me. But as always, I need to start with a question. Yankees fans... Are we happy today? Absolutely not. That is kind of the answer I was expecting. Toe, uh, you can you can take the floor so we can get you know whatever pretty questionable take you have out of the way early, right? How Steinbrenner got choked out by the invisible hand of the free market. <laughs> wow, what a line! <laughs> what a line! Coming in hot. Seriously, you give a thirty-year-old giant outfielder coming off the best season he will ever have a nine-year contract, the biggest contract ever for a free agent. You're paying him $40 million a year. Now, I understand that what the market conditions entail, free market, like I just said. But how Steinbrenner basically got conned into giving out a very irresponsible contract that will have ramifications for almost the next decade. I think that this is going to affect the Yankees' ability to spend on pitching, other free agents and other help that they're going to need to give an aging roster. So I feel like this is just going to become an albatross down the line that in six years, if there are no championships, one plural, we're going to look up back on this as a mistake. Before I let lesser uh, Matt go, I would like to say Keith law wrote an interesting article today, basically talking about, you need to look at this judge contract as kind of like a five-year deal uh, just because the, Money is more so just deferred to those last three years of the contract. But for what it's worth, the $40 million he's making next season, the $40 million he's making the season after that, and the $40 million he's making in the two seasons after that, there's a good chance the Yankees get surplus value on those years. And that's kind of what you're paying for. You're paying for performance within the next three to five years, really. And and I think that's what you can count on, count on with Judge. At least I think so. So... Yes, obviously it's a super long-term commitment, but there's kind of much more that goes into it just from like a Yankee perspective. Um, but Matt or less, I assume your tone is much more positive. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a great deal. I think he had to make the contract. Otherwise, we've been saying all all season long that the Yankees were a fourth-place team. I mean, Toe can hate Aaron Judge all he wants, but do you want to watch fourth-place baseball all next season? So... You know, he's a generational player. Yes, he's 30 years old. Um, but he's a 30-year-old that seems to have learned how to take care of himself. So, and the Yankees are, are have dealt with Albatross contracts before in the form of Alex Rodriguez. They took care of it. If year nine is like the last year they rod deal, then you saw how that worked out. But I think they'll be able to figure out how to manage the roster, the, the luxury tax, you know, as much... As much as I shit talk Brian Cashman, I think they figured it out. So not super worried about nine years from now. I'd, I'm worried about the next three to four years and that very, very small window that they have to win a championship. It remains open. Yeah, I agree. I think that this this contract to me is is very similar in nature to the Garrett Cole deal from the 2019 offseason in that you make the deal knowing that the last few years of the deal are going to be ugly. And that's the case for both Cole and Judge. I'm not sure who it happens for sooner, but you know you're going to be absorbing some some bad years. You're going to be paying a lot of money for a player who's not going to be worth very much at the end of the deal. 
But in the meantime, while your championship window is open, you're securing the services of your two most important players. And that has to be the priority right now with the window as open as it is. You need to prioritize putting a championship team on the field right now. And, and to me, you know, yes, you can, you can go out and try to replace Aaron Judge's production by doing other things on the market. But the most surefire way to put yourself in, in a position to be a contender in 2023 is simply to fork over the money for Judge. And I think there's a very good chance that the judge is a 40 million a year player next year and the year after when he's in his late thirties, maybe not, but for the moment you're putting yourself in the best position to win games and to win, to win a championship. And so to me, that's all we can ask from the front office and from Hal. I've had my complaints with Hal over the course of the last year, but in this situation, he did what needed to be done to win. So I have nothing but positive energy right now. Yeah, I feel similarly. And and just aside from a baseball perspective, they're, Aaron Judge and the Yankees go so hand-in-hand at this point, and it seems like a lot of this, at least the way it's being reported, is that Hal was, quote-unquote, the one to get the deal done. And if I'm the owner of the New York Yankees, and I have a guy that just broke the home run record, is probably the most popular player in baseball, definitely the most popular athlete in New York right now, who's a huge money draw gets a ton of sponsorship deals, is the face of my franchise. Yes, maybe there are avenues you could have taken uh, to get creative in certain ways if you don't bring back Aaron Judge. But I think if you own the team, you're looking at it beyond just games on the baseball field and more what kind of brand am I trying to exemplify here? And I think Aaron Judge is that brand. And that's where we actually disagree more because I'm not as concerned about the on-field ramifications of it. I understand how the market works these days. I am very concerned about the off-field ramifications of this deal. So I said this at our uh, season wrap pod, Aaron Judge represents the bastardization of the New York Yankees brand. I still somewhat believe that. And there is a, a line in Ken Rosenthal's article about the deal that concerned me greatly, which is, Aaron Judge is expected to become the team's captain as part of this contract agreement. The Yankees team captaincy is reserved for the most special of New York Yankees. In order to be the most special of New York Yankees, you will have need to won multiple championships before even, you know, being considered for that status. So why would they agree right in legal terms that he is the captain of the team? before any of this. To me, that's very much diluting what the New York Yankees brand is. The Yankees brand represents winning. Aaron Judge has had two amazing regular seasons. One MVP, should be two MVPs, rookie of the year, but no rings. As a Yankees fan, that's unacceptable. I'm sorry. Can I offer you a rebuttal, Tal? Go ahead. By a man by the name of Thurman Munson, Mm -hmm. who in 1976 won AL Rookie of the Year, and was named captain of the Yankees. Now, would you like to tell everyone what happened in both 1977 and 1978? The last two World Series titles for a long time. So, exactly. Was Thurman, what, was but it's Thurman, not, it seems like you're making a precedent-based argument, and while that seems to be the case based on Jeter's captaincy, it's actually not something that's remained that consistent throughout the history of the Yankees. And I think 
Brian Hoke was talking closer to like 6 p.m. tonight about how it's not yet decided on if Judge is captain. That's a decision that comes down to the Steinbrenners and, and the Steinbrenners only. Um, so yeah, that's we don't fine. I was really going know. on the Rosenthal article saying that it was written. We, don't, we don't really know if it's like a stipulation in the contract. Um, but I mean, Thurman Munson was named captain, hadn't won a thing, and only won rookie of the year. And then the Yankees went on to win back-to-back championships. Yeah, about, well, the Yan- how about the the second most recent captain of the Yankees before Jeter? It was Don Mattingly. My personal favorite. Yep. Don Mattingly never won a World Series. He hadn't even played in a postseason game when he was named captain in '91, and wouldn't go on to do so for another four years. But do you remember Don Mattingly as a as a Yankees captain? I mean, I wasn't alive back then, so I don't know. But like to me, he was more of. I remember Don Mangley as probably the best player in baseball of the late eighties, not like as a Yankees legend. He was both the best player of the good chunk of the 1980s. And in fact, a a Yankees legend for a period, he did hold the single season record for grand slams as silly as that sounds, but being my favorite player, it's important to me, but yeah, the he led the Yankees through some dark periods and he, he actually set the stage for that recent dynasty that the Yankees had played baseball the right way, ran when it, when you don't know who's watching. You know, as much as we as much as you like to bang on Aaron Judge for not having a ring, which I hope he gets. I I don't see a problem with him getting named captain. I think it's only a matter of time once he gets back from it, from Hawaii that that press conference happens too. Okay, so maybe the captain point took it a little bit too far, but still, I do think that Aaron Judge is becoming much the Yankees are becoming too much about Aaron Judge and not about the New York Yankees. Go with the Judge's Chamber, the 99 jerseys. And granted, that's part of how to market the game to younger players, but still have to go back to what the Yankees represent, which is the team, the Yankees. It's not the Aaron Judge Yankees. It's the New York Yankees. And to me, until you really see someone that's very emblematic of what the brand means today, not what the brand meant in the 70s, not what the brand meant in the 80s. I still haven't seen it. I think there's fairness to that argument. Last what were you going to say? No, I think I think he does bring up a pretty good point. But I, I think, too, these are these are Aaron Judge's Yankees. They were Derek Jeter's Yankees. They were Don Mattingly's Yankees. They were Reggie Jackson and Thurman Munson's Yankees. So these individuals that are of that that superstar class they are sort of the figurehead and they are they are who define who defines the roster who define defines this period in Yankees history so to your point to better or worse these are Aaron Judge's Yankees so if he comes out of this 9 years from now without a ring then that's what he's going to have on his his Hall of Fame plaque but if he does have a ring then it'll actually look a lot better than, you know, just kind of handing the reins over to, to him, much like they did hand it over to Derek Jeter and that group of Yankees. But you did make up a pr- make a pretty good point there. So the alternative, well, what we know about the Yankees players is that they adore Aaron Judge. Everything they have said about him has been exceedingly posit- positive. Anthony Rizzo loves Aaron Judge. Nestor Cortez only says amazing things about Aaron Judge. Garrett Cole, Stan, every, everyone has good things to say about him. So, yeah, I mean, while the Yankees' identity right now might be, you know, Aaron Judge front and center, 
it's better than the alternative, which is if you lose Aaron Judge, what is the identity? There, are you just peace? Are you just going out and throwing money at Xander Bogarts? Are you going out and throwing money at Masataki Yoshida, who just signed with the Boston Red Sox in a five-year, ninety million dollar deal? Are you, you know, giving six years, one hundred eighty million to Carlos Rodon? How are you trying to piece those? Uh, how are you trying to put those pieces together to create an identity for a team? And and whether or not you look at it positively or negatively, Aaron Aaron Judge just is the Yankees. Um, and and they're going to march to his beat. And I think it just feels right that he's back. Um, segwaying to what we think the Yankees need to do now moving forward. The Masataki Yoshida signing by the Red Sox was reported by Jeff Passan. They are also apparently heating up in talks with Xander Bogarts. So maybe the Red Sox are starting to make some noise. But Yoshida was someone that was in the conversation for the Yankees to uh, potentially be a left field option. Uh, reportedly not a great outfielder, defensive outfielder, but uh, can hit, at least hit, you know, hit uh, in Japan. So to it, the obvious needs appear to be left field, which right now is being manned by Aaron Hicks and, and uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. Oswaldo Cabrera. Uh, and then, uh, you know, ideally another starter and whether that be a top of the line starter like Carlos Rodon or a middle of the order starter that you trade for um fine and then just on a bigger level the payroll is now at 250 million or at least pushing at this like 249 million almost to be exact there needs to be space created so on your wish list or of you think things that will happen or things you think will happen what's up there at the top of the list for you what is like step two now you get Judge, now what? Radon. Get get another starting pitcher. I don't have any faith in Montas or some of the other. I do have faith faith in Dester, but get get more starting pitching and maybe pivot toward Benintendi. Not the end of the world. So uh, those are the two moves I wouldn't hate to see. So I think with Radon is... I think Rosenthal reported or Morosi was saying that the Yankees don't want to go six years, 180 for Rodon. And it seems like that might be the asking price. Plus the Yankees don't really have the flexibility right now. As far as we know, we have no idea what the Yankees budget is, but they don't really have the flexibility to just go ahead and sign another 30 million AAV player without some corresponding moves. So it would seem like at least now that Glaber Torres is, primed to be traded he's probably going to be making 10 million dollars plus in arbitration and then hopefully you're kind of able to attach a prospect or two to aaron hicks and and lose you know 10 million there so there's ways to get back down to around 230 million on the payroll and then have 20 million this year and then if you know the powers that be are willing to go up to 260 million or 265 that opens the door for a couple more signings but do you want to give someone like Carlos Rodon five years, 150, three years, what, or six years, 180? Someone that has had Tommy John surgery, had shoulder surgery, just had a big time prove it. Year, <coughs> well, he proved it. Now, do you want to be the team to give him that big contract and kind of take a risk on a pitcher with injury risk? I go with, let me answer your question from a holistic perspective. Um I feel that the trade market for starting pitching is much more favorable for buyers than the outfield market, but completely vice versa in, for the free agent market. Therefore, I'd rather see the Yankees 
try to dangle Glaber and maybe uh, maybe a couple of prospects or two for someone like a Pablo Lopez um, and then use the remaining free agent money to sign someone like Benintendi or my personal preference, Brandon Nimmo, who had an excellent season for the Mets last year and knows how to play in this market. I don't know that it's, it seems like the market for Nimmo is going to be pretty hot. So I don't know. Again, it's kind of the same dilemma as with Rodon. Now that the Yankees have committed all this money to Aaron judge, they may not be inclined to spend huge on another free agent. That being said, I think Ben intending to me still makes sense as a, probably a cheaper, better Yoshida proven, um, you know, in major league baseball and can do all the same things tools wise that Yoshida can do. We'll probably sign for fewer years. So that to me makes sense. I think certainly before doing anything else, the priority should be to shed some of the sort of dead money. I think at this point, really, the Yankees should should be inclined towards completely gutting the infield from last year. So if you can trade, if you can sweeten the pot for getting rid of a contract like Hicks or Donaldson by trading Torres as well, you do that. If you need to attach a prospect or two, you do that. And you set yourself up to go forward next year with a middle infield of your your best prospects. You give Peraza and Volpe a, a shot at short and second in whatever format you want to do that. And then in third base, you can start with IKF there. You can give Cabrera some starts there if you want. But you really DJ. go into next year with, aside from Rizzo, what you say, Toe? DJ, unless you want to or trade DJ, him yeah. too. D, assuming that DJ comes back and he's healthy and, and he's, he's still a He's a gold glove third baseman. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So you can start DJ at third as well. Have IKF be a you know, bench player, kind of yeah. you know, uh, Swiss Army knife. That, to me, is should really be the priority now. You have Rizzo, which is good, but um, really revamping the infield and, and restarting that um, is, is what I would be focusing on. Yeah, and yeah, then the other it, thing I do is kind of use Oswaldo Cabrera's versatility to your advantage. I do think that he deserves a shot to be an everyday player in some way, shape, or form. And if that's in if that's in left field, if that's in the infield, third base or shortstop, I mean, you see how much energy he brings to the table. The Yankees really do need that type of guy. Um, fun, energetic, not an absolute nozzle like Josh Donaldson. <clears throat> you should definitely take advantage of the fact that he's a young guy. Who's hungry and like the Yankees need a lot of those guys concerned you just committed $40 million to one person. Yeah. I mean, if I were to have a wish list, it would include trading Hicks, trading Glaber, mostly just to get the money off and then signing Benintendi and Rodon. I think I have the appetite for Rodon on five years, 150 million. That's six years, a little concerning, but to me, if you have that rotation of Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Severino, Nestor, and Montes, there's an argument to be made that's the best rotation in baseball, and it might not even be close, assuming everyone stays healthy. And to me, that's kind of an important, you know, that's a risk worth taking. You know, how much do your odds increase of winning a World Series if you if you get Rodon and then you get Benintendi and left, or even if you want to take a flyer on like Michael Conforto, although much more of an unknown there. Uh, so if I were to have it my way, I think I think that would be uh, a top of my uh, on top of my wish list. And I also think I don't I don't think the Yankees or Hal like I don't think Hal was just throwing money at Judge and then wasn't prepared to do more. I mean, a lot of the talk before uh, kind of the winter meeting started was Hal was like, 
you know, we're prepared. Hal had a little bit more, you know, oomph behind what he was saying. He kind of seemed like he had been hearing the noise and he wants to actually put the pedal to the metal and try to win this thing next year. Uh, so I, I think the Yankees are far from finished. It, I mean, everyone's talking better, about it. They better not be <laughs> finished. Um, I mean, it seems like the, the Rodone stuff is – there's a lot of positive on Twitter about it. Uh, I mean, we know that, you know, based on reports that the Yankees were kind of hoping or in on Rodone at the trade deadline, and that obviously fell through. Uh, it would be very funny if the Yankees uh, in this postseason – uh, just kind of just owned the Giants in like every possible way that they could. It's like you thought you had Judge, now Judge is a Yankee, and now we're gonna take your your best pitcher back here too. Sign Carlos Correa. Yeah, that's where. I mean, look if if Hal wants to spend three hundred million dollars, be my guest. Hey, um, look, I think I, I think our biggest concern coming into the off season, Aaron Judge resigning his side, but I actually think that this is the same point is. Is Hal Steinbrenner actually willing to, you know, act like the billionaire that he is, right? Yeah. Like, for the last how many years have how, how many how, how many times have we been saying Hal is cheap? Hal doesn't want to do what it takes. He's satisfied with making the playoffs and getting that extra revenue stream, and that's it. Granted, if the Yankees are, stop here, they're no better than they were last year, maybe worse, and we're just back with a new Aaron Judge contract. But if Hal Steinbrenner decides to go and spend money wisely, and I, I'm not saying do like freaking the Philadelphia Phillies and give Trey Turner 11 years, which is silly. Like, go sign Rodon, give him extra AAV for to, to keep the term to five years. Go get a shortstop, perhaps. Go trade for a young guy. If Brian Reynolds' price is reasonable, someone like that ilk. Pablo Lopez. Alcantara, if you can blow them out of the water. That's a pipe dream. You know what I mean? Like, go get the guys that will perform on the field. Stop us from booing you in the playoffs. Make the players want to play in New York. Let them experience what it feels like to win, to represent the Yankees brand in that way, and you'll shut me up, and I'll be happy. Very compelling, Toe, I must say. Awesome points there, Toe. Here's a, here's a, here's a fun and, and totally ridiculous question. Would you guys rather that the Yankees run a $300 million payroll next year, or they figure out how to improve the experience of getting into the ballpark? If Hal can Ooh. spend money on one of those two things, what would you rather they do? I will say the experience of getting into the ballpark did slowly improve as the year get on. It was not like it was very incremental. They kind of figured out some, some different things. Um, and then so once the playoffs the started, million. it became a mess again. I'll take the $300 million payroll uh, because then I'm happy waiting in line for as long as possible for a team that's very, you know, probably has the highest chance of winning the World Series. That I'm okay with. What made it so frustrating throughout the season, and especially the second half of last season, was that it was a disaster for for three months, the product on the field. Toe and I didn't start complaining about getting into the stadium until things started going south for the team. So it's all, you know... Ying and the Yang. Um, one last thing I just wanted to quickly talk about is the relationship between the Yankees and Judge as far as like public uh, bargaining went. I want to know what the heck happened with that John Heyman tweet and who leaked that to him. Was that a ploy by Judge's camp to get the Yankees, you know, pants on fire? 
And then today, after Judge accepts the contract, we see that Judge is turning down $400 million. Um, and then, sorry, before the, before the Heyman tweet, there was the Time Magazine article. There was a lot of, like, negative things. And then when he signs the contract, it's like, oh, Judge turned down $400 million. Oh, Hal Steinbrenner called Aaron Judge and said, do you want to be a Yankee? What is there to make of any of that? Is that, is that all just BS narrative stuff? Or is that just part of free agency? Was Aaron Judge just trying to get the most money he could from the Yankees? Aaron Judge said publicly that he was pissed, pissed off about Cashman leaking the contract details. There's a lot of muddiness. What is there to make of it all, if anything? Or is it just meaningless? Well, I think it does prove my point that at the end of the day, Aaron Judge is first and foremost out for himself before anyone else. As he should be. Which he should be, yeah. But like, I just don't want to hear anything about, oh, he's the ultimate team guy. Like... He he'll he'll do anything for the team. No, like Aaron Judge got everything that he could. And you know what? Good for him. In terms of the negotiating tactic, specifically what happened with the Heyman suite is I genuinely think that he was on his way to San Francisco until Hal called him from Italy and said, all right, nine years, 360. Is this what it's going to take? And Judge said yes, because he loves the guys that he plays with. That's what I think happened. I think Toe's right. I think. I think Toe is absolutely right on that. I think it got leaked that he was going to end up going to San Francisco. How gave how got involved, gave him a call, and uh, you know, stick with us because obviously the the grass is greener in the Bronx than it is in San Francisco. So, I think I think Toe's right. Well, but, is there? I mean, do we do we know for sure that there was that there was no stock in that four hundred million dollar Padres thing? Because wasn't that Michael the whole? Can- wasn't that the it's the Padres. Anything is possible. Michael K yeah. said today that it wasn't 400, that it was relatively close to 400, but it wasn't 400. And I, you know, I think he, I don't know what, what's to be said about that. I don't think he was ever going to go to the Padres, though. San Padres, the Yankees man. were in. Padres keep like offering everyone $400 million and everyone's saying no. Trey Turner to be one of them. Juan sure, Soto. I mean, my my point is that. You know, for if it was really just all about the money for Judge, he would have taken the whatever right. three eighty three ninety from San Diego. It is it does represent a, a pay cut of sorts for him. To Which is what out. I'm saying. Well, I'm was sure he, was he just some... trying to force the Yankees' hand? Was that well? I'm sure he did some calculations, saying that okay, if I take ten years and four hundred from the Giants, add on whatever money I'll make off the field, plus the tax situation, this is what we'll get. But if you know. I take nine years, 360 from the Yankees, plus all the endorsement deals that come from being the captain of the Yankees, from being in the New York market, from really being able to live in Tampa for six months of the year where there is no income tax. Um, I think he I think I I think the money was a total calculation as opposed to just his um, baseball salary. Fair enough. Here we are. Nine years of Aaron Judge, a lot of off season to go. Hopefully the next time we're talking, the team is a little bit different because right now it's the same exact thing as last season, minus Andrew Benintendi um, and Eraldis Chapman and Zach Britton. Um, but yeah, another nine-year long-term contract for a Yankees player, and hopefully this one works out. But I think that'll wrap it up for us. We'll just kind of see what happens with the offseason and record as necessary. 
But for myself, for Matt Jarrell, Les Williams, Cameron Toe, thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, share the podcast with anyone and everyone that you know. And without further ado, go Yanks.